Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brews and Bruins episode. I don't really know what episode it is, but it's an episode of the Brews and Bruins podcast, a the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Die Hard, sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, speaking of DraftKings, Drew, do you have an ad for us? Well, yes, I do, Drew. <laughs> Get your peanuts and Cracker Jacks, because the sport of oh, baseball Lord. is back. That's right. Teams will be getting back out on the diamond this week. Last year's season sure was different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement. And this year is poised to be even better. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week. That was an all bold. But if baseball is for sweat. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. You can still feel the sweat because DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. <laughs> you feel sweat with golf? Is it the one you're feeling the sweat with? Golf or is yeah. just there? I feel the sweat. Whenever I golf, I feel the sweat. Which is I probably sweat more playing golf than uh, most other sports just because you're out in the sun so long. Yeah. With millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. On this episode, we have myself, Chris, and Cam as usual, and now we have Lauren Campbell back from Nesson, our go-to Boston Pride expert. <laughs> uh, Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me back on. Thank you for putting up with us enough to want to come on another time. Um, I guess we should pass it around. Chris, got anything you're drinking? Water. I got to take the dog to the vet, and I have multiple uh, possible outs in the middle of this podcast. So <laughs> I may just jet, and you might not hear from me. If that happens, then uh, you'll know that the electrician finally showed up. Nice. You need that electricity. We have no electricity in either of our bathrooms right now. It's very worrisome. Is it just limited to the bathrooms, though? Yeah, it's wild. So it seems like an actual electrical issue because uh, 
all of the other things on that switch are not having an issue. So, huh? Uh, one of the casualties though is the beer fridge. Uh, oh no! Next Ooh. to the other bathroom. So didn't you didn't you recently stock up too? Yep. Oh man. My thoughts are with you, brother, in this tough time. You should just be chugging all of those right now. <laughs> yeah, before yeah. they go bad, you know? <laughs> before the vet. <laughs> all right. Well, I am drinking a Daily Dose IPA. Uh, also, a full circle victory beer. Last time we had Lauren on was, I believe, before the Lake Placid uh, tournament started, correct? Or was it during? I'm trying to remember. I think it might have been during, like actually, like, the first like day or two, but I can't. We definitely, remember. Right, yeah. we definitely talked about the White Caps game at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, well, I at the time I had said I hope next time we have you on, we're celebrating an Isabel Cup championship. And I think I don't know who I was. It was Chris was through a little. Hey, let's slow it down there. And which, to be fair, to be fair. To was very fair, fair <laughs> especially with how things ended up going in Lake Placid. Uh, obviously, the pause wasn't great. We'll get to all that in a sec. But if anybody benefited from it, it looks like it was Boston. They definitely looked like they picked up uh, a little more steam coming into that second half. Got the job done and now making me look like less of an idiot slash ruining my jinx. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> uh, anyway, Daily Dose IPA from Otter Creek Brewing Company. In uh, Middlebury, Vermont. Can't say I've been there, but Vermont, quality state. I had a friend who went to Middlebury College, and I visited one time. Good little place. Nice. Uh, Pretty good beer. Drinkability. I mean, it's an IPA, but it's only 5.5%, so it's not aggressive. Definitely a lighter one you kind of drink wherever. Um, So I'll give it a 28 for drinkability and taste. Uh, Good flavor, but not too powerful. I'll give it like a nice 20. Solid nice. Lauren, do you have anything or are you like on the clock? <laughs> I am on the clock, so I am staying hydrated with my water. Nice. Good. All right. Well, I got an omission gluten free lager as I often drink. Um, I'm just going to give it like a, like a 15 for taste and a 19 for drinkability. Just random, tossing random numbers out there. I really need Lancey to build a spreadsheet specifically for this beer that I drink half the just time. That <laughs> just how many yeah. different ratings you've given the same yeah. one. Yeah. You get a chart, averages, everything. Drew's mood, uh, like what his <laughs> aggregate mood during the entire yeah, I wanted, I wanted fancy stats for Drew's drink ratings. <laughs> if he's feeling like particularly squirrely one day, like maybe he's, uh, you know, giving it a, a higher taste score. Or a higher drinkability, I think, would probably be more likely. Yeah, I need some stats on my taste buds. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk the Pride, because the Pride are your 2021 Isabel Cup champions. How are we feeling about that? As, you know, the non-biased uh, analyzers that we are. <laughs> yeah, we're podcast, yeah. We are journalists <laughs> of the highest order and <laughs> must maintain objectivity at all times. Uh, that being said, hell yeah. <laughs> Love to see it. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, we have a player who is a friend of the pod who uh, a shout to Mallory uh, and her absolute snipe on the <laughs> shorthanded goal yeah. uh, that required I don't know if you guys actually did it, but 
the shotgun challenge uh, that I believe Cam was the yeah, genius. Yeah, and I haven't done it yet, but I was going to save it for the end of this podcast to figure I'd wrap it up with a quick shotgun. So Hell yeah. In my in my apartment on my carpet floor, so the stakes <laughs> are high. <laughs> yeah, I need I get I need to get my hands on like a Bud Light or something so yeah. I can actually I can toss you a piece of something that's in a can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not shotgunning uh like a double IPA tall can or like try to do it with a Corona glass, which is what when the goal happened, what I was drinking. So, so I, I had to dip into the reserves because I uh, I pretty much only have uh, 16 ounce IPA cans, and uh, luckily I had one of the uh, Saucy Brew Works from your dad left. Yeah, over yeah. There. I thought that's what it was. I saw it, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But also bold strategy, shotgunning an IPA. But it wasn't. It's was a it was a Kolsch. Oh, it was the okay. I saw the can. I thought it was the IPA. I forgot. I drank them all very quickly. Well, I think <laughs> but, we, we, got, we were given different beers. Oh, that yeah, was yeah. Fun. We were all yeah. given the the same IPA, and then the other one was different. I believe that makes sense. The, this is all real inside baseball, and Lauren has to listen to it. <laughs> but anyway, let's get to the games. Uh, so yeah, there's a semifinal. And I don't think we need to spend too much time on him because it was a nice blowout, six-two uh, over Toronto. Uh, just any any thoughts on that game? Um, <clears throat> I mean the 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 Mallory goal, like you said, was sweet. Like that was the, goal, the type of goal that, like as a defenseman, I always like would dream of scoring. Just like. Uh, great like rush through the middle of the ice get through the neutral zone gain the zone and if they're giving you that space just tee up on one and i was never the type of player who had a shot <laughs> anything close to that so i couldn't make it work it's definitely a pass first kind of guy but just having the confidence to just walk in and wind up like that and just know you're gonna have to give yourself a shot to put into the back of the net um i mean again at that point it was already a pretty pretty good looking game for boston but um that was just a I don't know, statement of a goal, if you will, I guess. And great for content. Oh, excellent for content. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the the Bruce and Bruce bump. <laughs> yeah, I think that game was was really good. And it was also nice to see Boston keeping their tradition of li- oh, tradition alive of knocking Toronto out of the playoffs. So I was very yeah. happy with the outcome, of course. Um, and it was just like a full team effort. It was just everything that Paul Mara had said that they were going to go in hungry. They're going to play the right way. They're going to bring the team that was playing toward the end of the uh, Lake Placid bubble before it got suspended. And they certainly did. So I knew that there was absolutely no stopping that team pretty much, pretty much after the first period of that Toronto game, I was like, this is going to be bad for whoever Boston plays in the final. You know yeah. it's a good semifinal when you're looking forward to the final after one period. You're like, oh, yeah. whoever gets yeah. rolled in the next game, I feel bad for it. Like, <laughs> yep. no. It was it was real nice. I was I was a little worried uh, considering the way that the uh, Lake Placid tournament started, um, but you know, finishing strong against Buffalo and then uh, really coming out and making a statement against Toronto kind of allayed all concerns. Where it, you know, I I kind of felt like maybe the product on the ice that they were showing wasn't as bad as the scores were ending up to be because they were getting a little unlucky. It seemed like they were out shooting and, uh, you know, having more opportunities than the teams they were playing against. So 
I, in small sample sizes, yeah, that's obviously a concern because you want to be able to convert on those chances. Um, but, I mean, obviously uh, turned out well. Yes, it did. Um, and in the final also turned out pretty well, I would say. <laughs> As an expert hockey analyzer and journalist, uh, I think I think winning championships is pretty good. Good indication of a good team. Um, so yeah, I, I think we can break this down, this one down a little bit more. Um, and honestly, don't want to don't want to focus on the uh, the opposition's goals as much as the prides. Um, that first pride goal uh was really just like your typical like hard-working blue-collar hockey goal uh just like a loose puck in the crease and there's about three players in there digging for it and it finally went in um and it was right off of a of a face-off too which was uh pretty good to see kind of you know emphasizes how much face-offs mean in a game and can mean in a game um yeah any thoughts on that first goal Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> this is great. Um, and then, uh, you know, the pride second goal was from Dempsey off. It was an absolute snipe. Um, and it came off a great team play. It was a battle along the boards. It looked like Toronto was about to get the puck out of the zone. Um, pride did a great job of keeping it in and the puck just found Dempsey from the, uh, left face off dot, uh, and just, absolutely uncorked a, <laughs> a snipe um i don't know if it caught the post or the crossbar but i definitely heard a ping i think it was right in the corner yeah um yeah not to be i mean we'll we'll bring up her name again but christina patina with the with the dish on that goal um and she had a much more impressive one later on but of course still important to get the puck to jillian dempsey when you can yeah, she was all over the ice, I think, in both games. Like, you just knew she was out there. And it was obviously really great to see, especially with her shoulder injury in Lake Placid. So this kind of uh, suspension of this regular season was kind of a blessing in disguise for the Pride because you got to have your captain and the NWHL's all-time leading scorer 100% healthy. And it clearly showed. Like I said, she was all over the ice, like just an absolute menace. Yeah, I had my uh, second most popular tweet ever on on Twitter uh, <laughs> at that point when I tweeted, imagine being a fan in a city where your hockey captains are Jillian Dempsey and Patrice Bergeron. Um, <laughs> it's pretty fucking nice, guys. We should yeah, all be so is. blessed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to watch. It was a really nice step. I, I'm try- I, can't, I can't tell from the camera angle. It's tough to see who was on the point there, but – um, it was a really nice step because it was a Whitecaps breakout that that play started at, and it was a smart pinch. We're kind of one of those aggressive pucks coming up the wall. Um, whoever was on the point could see that the winger was kind of looking down to catch that pass, stepped in and, and caused that initial turnover, which I, I don't know. as like that's such mm-hmm. a, a bang bang play to make as a defenseman, and it's a scary one. I've been there plenty of times where you're right on that blue line and the puck's coming up, and you think you can step in. But you know there's a possibility that if you do and a puck chips that you know not even if you do something wrong, but if the winger just feeds it well off the wall or something that you can get burned. Um, so nice to see kind of the aggressiveness and um, sort of to me just like a, a sign of how the pride wanted to play, just kind of willing to step in and and 
really make plays instead of letting the play come to them. Um, kind of a more aggressive step, and it obviously led to a turnover there, which which leads to the the go ahead goal. So, um, I feel like we saw a little bit more of that out of them this weekend, from what I saw. Just kind of that willingness to really step in and um, I'm trying to think what what there's a word for it, but just like assertiveness, I guess, on the ice, just kind of really like controlling the tempo of the pace and and they are a team that is so dangerous like we saw when they get rolling so when they can really assert themselves like that uh it gets dangerous so i feel like they were just back to playing the game that we saw a lot from them last season before things got canceled kind of picked up their identity a little bit yeah i think both of those games held that like typical playoff intensity uh where every loose puck is you're 100 percent in on it not a lot of passive play mm-hmm. um and yeah i think that that definitely boded well more for the pride and kind of played more into their game. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely did. And, you know, they were obviously, you know, they've said all season they're on a revenge tour because of 2020. So it was only fitting that, you know, they also played Minnesota, but it's, it was, they, it would just look like they carried the momentum from 2020 just right back into 2021 and exactly where they left off last year. And even in Lake Placid. So I think that it was, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better matchup and better hockey from both teams. Like I said, um, you know, like Jillian Dempsey just all over the ice, Patino with that pass for Dempsey, goaltending just all around, just amazing hockey. Yeah. You, you mentioned just the, the playoff atmosphere and, and the speed to it. And I, it's a cliche in hockey that, you know, whatever team wants it more and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the time that's bullshit because it's it's hockey. It is such a random game and, and so many little factors can play a role. But this did feel like one of those games where, like you were saying, Lauren, every loose puck people are going for. And I feel like Boston won a lot of those puck battles. And it was that line that was generating a lot of it. You look at the third goal. First of all, obviously, the feed by Patina across the crease was just phenomenal. And just that's the type of vision you really can't teach. You have to, like – just have have it naturally as a as a hockey player to see those opportunities and and see that there's going to be space there before the player steps in. So great feed there, um, but then also just Dempsey in front of the net tying up the defender and allowing uh, you know more people to step in at the back door. Like it, it was one of those cases again where it's two players that are evenly locked up and it's a it's not a puck battle necessarily, but just jostling for space. And Boston just wanted more. Dempsey wanted more and canceled out the defender that opened up that back door for the finish. So just, again, it's it's that playoff atmosphere and, and the willingness to step in, and it, it feels like they really just got back to what their game was, that, like you were saying, that we saw last season when they were so dominant. Yeah, that was that five-on-three goal, correct? Yeah. Where Dempsey, yeah, the, when Dempsey tied up the defenseman in front, uh, that was just like such a high hockey IQ play to know you got another player on the other side that can – catch that cross crease pass i think it like instinctually it's like okay i'm gonna get my stick on this it's coming right at me i'm in front of the net but just to have that awareness that 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 pass can go through to someone with an even yeah. better angle for a goal having making the goalie have to go all the way across the crease i just i thought that was amazing yeah. um and what i mean a like you're saying too. it's so easy Perfect to like when pass. you're on the doorstep like that the willingness to like be patient and let it go by and and like know that your role there is to tie up the defender because I don't, I'm not sure. It looked like it was a drawn up play. Like Bettina spun out of the corner and looked like she was immediately looking back door. And Dempsey locked up the defender in a way that 
looks it looked like it was drawn up. Who knows whether that's something they've worked on before. Maybe Lauren has some more insight. I don't know about the specifics of the play, um, <laughs> but it looks like that was a drawn up play. And again, like when you're because if if she tips that, the goalie might be able to get halfway across the crease in time. That's a lot tougher of a of a play to make. But letting it go through with the type of feed that Patina gave, it's impossible to go post to post like that as a goaltender. So just like you were saying, Drew, the hockey IQ to just let that go and tap it in on the back door and have your teammate do it is unselfish and just smart. Just really good hockey. Yeah, big honorary assist on that yeah, play for sure. Exactly. Might not show up on the score sheet, but it definitely – well, it does show up on the score sheet for your team, so that's what really matters. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I certainly don't have any like insight on that play, but I will say that Paul Maher told me that their practices were just really intense, really hard – and Jillian Dempsey said the same thing that they're just, you know, they're going hard in practice because they know what's on the line. And I think, I think it showed, like I said, it, it didn't look like they were, they slowed down any, if anything, they looked more dangerous than they did in Lake Placid, which is scary. But mm. I think it was obvious that they were, they were not going to let another chance at their second Isabel cup slip through their hands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't write the storyline any better either with the, yeah. you know, how things canceled out last season. And, and then even with the cancellation again in, in this postseason, like obviously not a good thing, but um, kind of having a little bit of adversity at first where, you know, there were, I don't want to say we expect them to come out and just wipe the floor with everybody like they had last season, but um, a little bit of an underwhelming start. I think in Lake Placid is fair to say. So to see them kind of find the legs again and, and play at a level that we know they're capable of was nice. And um, after the year we, we've had, it just felt a little bit better. You know? And, you know, that, that comeback story a little bit is is easy to buy into for sure. So, but I, it's a bummer that it's it was gone so quick. You know what I mean? I was so excited to have these games, especially on national television and stuff. And yeah, um, I'm really just itching for more at this point. But something to look forward to, right? And something I noted too, because I, I looked back at the highlights today to make some notes. On the first goal, the commentator said, um, Oh, now I'm forgetting the quote, but basically alluded to it being like their first goal. And I feel like it just completely indicated, like, yeah, it's their first. There's going to be more, uh, which was great. Yeah, I actually did notice that too. So, yeah. yeah. They were like, All right, yeah, they're definitely scoring more the way they're playing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then there was that fourth goal, which was on the power play. I forget who scored it, but it was just like a like a simple, you know, one timer off the rebound. Um, and just another example of the pride taking complete advantage of the power play, mm-hmm. uh, which they seem so strong on throughout these these two games. Yeah. Really impressive stuff. Now, Lauren, I feel like you probably will have some more insight into this, but this was obviously a from a pretty quick turnaround for these teams. What was the situation like as far as like, did, how much time do they get on the ice as a team before they got right back into these games and stuff? How, did Boston have any advantage, if you will, being right at Warrior? Or how, how quick was that turnaround? Um, they were very um, adamant about saying that as, as even though there's a comfort in playing at Warrior, they didn't really see it as an advantage because small, like small things like, you know, practicing, and, you know, being away from each other once they left Lake Placid. And um, they were also staying in hotels. They weren't staying at their own homes during this time in order to keep everybody kind of isolated and make sure there wasn't um, some sort of COVID outbreak before the championship. So, but I think they really harped on their communication and their off-ice workouts and just being able to recover quickly for those who did have COVID and for those who weren't really sure if there was going to be 
a, a continu continuation of the season. So, but they continued to just do what they could um, with the time they had. And once they got back to practice, I mean, it's a matter of, you know, a couple, couple practices, you're not going to have your legs back right away, but they said that their, you know, their chemistry is so strong and both Paul and Carolyn say that they build this team on not just on ice character, but off ice character. And I think that goes a, a really, really long way. I think it kind of flies under the radar because, you know, these, these women can, could have just gone home and been like, that's it. Here we go again. And just not given up, but just kind of not really taking it seriously. And, but they all put in their, their work before they got back to the ice. And they were saying that it was as if they didn't, they were never apart from each other. So I think that whatever they did off the ice and away from the ice clearly translated into their practices, no matter how quick of a turnaround it was. Yeah. Definitely. It looked like it too. They didn't look rusty at all. And no, yeah. <laughs> it's such a remarkable, like to be able to flip it on and off like that. Um, you know, especially in, like you were saying, it's not like they're going home to, you know, amazing practice facilities or anything like that. Just trying to stay in shape and, and, and in game ready, really. You know what I mean? You can be in shape, but being game ready is completely different. Um, and just jumping on and immediately flipping on that killer instinct is just such an impressive thing to see. And it was really on display this weekend. It yeah, was. Definitely. Um, Lauren, another another question I had for you, um, and maybe this is the same for Cam, where we we you know we kept tabs on the NWHL for a while, but this was kind of the first season where we really like went in on it. And we're watching the tournament and everything. Um, so I was wondering if you had some sort of off season forecast, because something I'm not familiar with is like you know that behind the scenes. Um, I kind of want to say the politics, but it's not really politics. But, you know, I'm familiar with the, with the Bruins. Who's becoming a free agent? Are they going to resign them? All that. Do you have any, like, thoughts on any of that that you can enlighten, especially listeners who, you know, aren't following the league all that much? So I don't at the moment. Um, I'm just trying to play catch up from the weekend and kind of diving into what's next. But what I can say is that I do plan on you know, making sure that it's known and getting the content and seeing who's a free agent kind of doing outlooks. Um, like maybe who should the pride resign? Who should they keep? Will there be anybody retiring? Like we don't know. So um, as of Monday at 633, I do not have one thing, <laughs> <laughs> but it is something that will be, that I'll certainly take a closer look at this year because it's interesting. You know, the pride have always been so, so dominant. And it makes you wonder, like, are they going to have a similar team next year? They have the same team. And it's scary. It's like scary question is, can they make this team better? If they can, I, I don't know what to say for the rest of the league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, about to be an all-star team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the, I guess, the turnaround time, I guess, is for what, at what point would you expect to start? Um, I mean, I, it's kind of hard this year, I think, especially with COVID and um really just trying to piece together a season obviously day by day at this point with with how things were and and credit to the nwhl for getting it done yeah, um, yeah. so I, i'm sure things are a little shakier this this season but typically what kind of turnaround do you expect as far as when we would start hearing those sorts of things um shaping up into next season i would think sooner rather than later and i say that because i feel like even though it was a shortened season it ended around the time that a, a regular non-shortened season would um 
So I think, you know, they'll, they'll do the normal, they'll celebrate for a little while, they'll go home, they'll, they'll regroup and figure out what's next. Um, but I would say, you know, the summer we'll start hearing that even maybe before that, like May, uh, late May, early June. But I mean, any, we know anything can happen. Like we could find out something tomorrow or we yeah. could find out something the day before the season starts. But I think it's going to be more normal than in the last, than in the last year or two, just because of the timeline. I think they're kind of on a more normal timeline now, um, despite everything. So I'd say like, like I said, early summer or like early May or late May, early summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully at this point, um, a little easier to, to piece together a, a tentative plan at this point with how yeah. things are going across the, um, the country right now with regards to COVID. So right. um, hopefully, yeah, but especially by like late May, early summer, hopefully we have a pretty good understanding of what next fall is going to look like. Yeah, that would be, that's ideal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all, I know I'm like so cautious, uh, you know what I mean? But after, after the year we've had, but hopefully. So, yeah. Uh, Andrew, um, you want to? I don't know if you have any more NWHL stuff, or if you want to turn to a little Bruins stuff before we let Lauren go here. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else in the pride unless y'all do. It was All right. Awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> something I did next want. Year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did want to talk about my experience at the Garden on Sunday, being yeah. in attendance. Uh, oh, by the way, for anyone listening, uh, I assume Chris's electrician did show up several yeah, hours late. It did, so yeah. that's why he dipped out, and you haven't heard from him. Um, but yeah, what was it like? I mean, so this was how many? When did they open up um, this like the Garden of Fame? Is it last week or two weeks ago? So I think last, last week, week the first game was supposed to be one that had to be postponed. Yeah, right. Um, that was uh, Tuesday, and then I, think, I right? think it wound up being Friday, Thursday. That was their first. I, I think so. Yeah, I forget when they were away and at home and everything. Um, but yeah, so Sunday it's very interesting. You know, usually it's like all right, long line through security. Everybody's in the you know, uh, by the concession stands, wait five minutes to get a beer before the game, make sure you get two so you don't have to get back up. Um, but it was very interesting. First of all, for ordering things, they have like QR codes. So, you know, you take a picture of it with your phone, you order online and you put your section in and it tells you the section, the concession to go like nearest you. Um, and then you walk up, you tell them your name, you pay for it there. You, you like, you put it on your credit card on the thing. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no cash, um, you know, exchange. Um, yeah, it's ready for you there. Uh, price is still very high for alcohol, <laughs> as you would imagine. Uh, an $11 tall can of Trulies is what I had. Actually, so is had it several. more expensive or it's not more expensive it's really? Um, yeah, I think it's about the same. Um, <clears throat> And yeah, it was really weird just being like, apparently they sell tickets in groups of two and four, not one, not three, not more than that. Um, and we had eight of us that went, a couple family friends, um, and then like my father, my uncle, a couple of my cousins. Uh, but we we got split up four and four. We were like a section over from each other. But it was weird because usually when you're a section over from someone, you got like stand up and wave and like, hi, I'm here. But it was just like, Oh, hey, dad, I can see you. I can like yell to you and just have a conversation. Um, 
And yeah, it's really where I mean, you you wear your mask at all times unless you're like taking a sip of your drink or a bite of your food. Um, and yeah, I think the most interesting thing, though, was like when you're so I did a lot of yelling at the refs, especially at the end of the game uh, with those two non goals. Um, and I came to realize that if you yell loud enough, the re- like the people on the ice can actually probably pick <laughs> out actually hear you, like yeah. actual <laughs> words instead of just hearing all this mumbled shit. <laughs> so uh, when I said like "fuck you, ref," they might have heard it. Um, and also, I was very disappointed because on the uh, goaltender interference, they didn't show the replay. So I was like yelling. And like just pissed off. Me and my buddy James were so pissed off and drunk and yelling. And then come to realize, like I texted you guys after the game. I was like, what is your take on that? Because I didn't show replay. And then Chris was like, oh, it was a fair call. I was like, God damn it. Um, yeah, I don't maybe. know. I was I wasn't I was in between on that. I, I feel like that was one of those where that happens a lot and it it gets let go. I get I feel like it's it's the classic thing with the NHL where it's like, what's the standard? I'm fine with it either way as long as it's consistent standard because that happens a lot and it it gets counted. And especially like in my my thought was like if this were play the playoffs and obviously like whole different rulebook during the playoffs for whatever reason, which is its own conversation of why that should even be a thing. But um, that there's no question that can, that counts if it's postseason hockey. And I think in most games, I've seen way more egregious versions of that where the goalie really hasn't covered. It's poked out and then, but like that was a pretty bang bang. Like puck went over, it was still a little shaky. There was a quick poke in there. I, I, you know, I'm fine protecting goalies like that. It's a good way to break a finger. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. That kind of happens a lot. And to see it get overturned like that was a little surprising to me. I'm again, I'm not necessarily advocating for that should be legal, but I've definitely seen a lot worse go and not even be reviewed. So a little bit surprised by that. I don't know, Lauren, what do you think? I mean, my issue with the whole thing is the consistency and what the hell is goaltender interference. Um, I thought I didn't think it should have been overturned. And I know in 2019 Cassidy had an issue with one of the calls because he said that the rule was in place to, for calls that are specifically egregious. And he's like, you know, you're over there for three minutes. Now you're just looking for something. Like if you can't see it within the first, you know, 10 to 15 seconds, it's then you can't overturn it. And I think that was another case um, on Sunday that was just, there's not enough egregious evidence there to overturn it. And it was, I mean, we've seen worse called. We've seen less called. We've seen this a hundred times not called. So uh, it was just really frustrating because... I feel like it was just something that I still think Blackwood had the opportunity to make the save. And I haven't gone back and watched it today or anything. I just saw it, whatever they showed last night on TV. But I just feel like, again, what Cassidy said, if you can't, like, it's, if it's not egregious, you like, you can't call it. Yeah. I think that's a great point, especially on the time it takes sometimes to review these things. I think like, if it's a like like the goal they reviewed later, when it's that close of a play, like yeah, take your time, look at all the angles, try to get it right. But when it's something like like that kind of soft of a goaltender interference call, yeah, you don't take the time unless it's egregious. Like it should be good. Um, and I think especially if you rule it a goal and then are like overturning it, I, I feel like it would have been different if they called the goaltender interference and then confirmed that it was goaltender interference or something. But uh, 
yeah, I think I think consistency, like both of you said, was is the main thing. And I think we see that not just with goaltender interference. I think we see that with a lot of different penalties. And yes, hockey is like a hard game to call if you're a ref, but at the same time, there needs to be some sort of consistency. And I think there are a lot of rules, like the boarding rule is written very weirdly and very mm-hmm. vague. And yeah. I think there are a lot of rules in hockey that are like that. Cause like the, the boarding one is if you throw them into the boards in a like dangerous manner. You, yeah. Hit them into the boards from a dangerous area or whatever. Yeah. Like. And, and that's just like, that's so up for interpretation. I mean, there's yeah. obviously some like blatant ones and, but those ones on the fence, it, it kind of just depends on what, ref you have that game yeah um, well, boarding is like such a boarding is one of those plays that like you know when you see it but it's really hard to explain but mm-hmm. yeah uh, but but for most penalties you're absolutely right and it's i mean obviously like the nhl's officiating has been in the spotlight over the last week with the whole tim peel incident and stuff and uh, for those of you watching the nesson broadcast i'm sure you heard that plenty from jack edwards over the last <laughs> day or so but um and there was it's a makeup just, call in that game. Once. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, it's just that whole conversation of like what there's so many like unwritten rules for NHL and and really just hockey officiating that like I don't know. I feel like I've talked about this with with people for a while, but like there's there's way too much effort I think to appear unbiased, and it kind of favors some teams then who can take advantage of it. I think it's like not to like start complaining about the Stanley cup final again, but like, it's kind of the blues Bruins situation where in, in my opinion, like a lot of the time, one of the team was abusing it because they knew they were going to try to keep it even because if one team has eight penalties, you know, the team has three or five, regardless of whether that's how the game was actually played for some reason, there's this narrative that, Oh, it's not fair. See, they were favoring this team because they had more penalties. Well, maybe that team's just taking more penalties. Yeah. So the concept that we have to keep it even, and you see it so much in the playoffs that it's it's just outrageous. And, like, again, I'm not saying, like, playoff hockey should be exactly the same. I'm fine with letting them play a little bit more in the playoffs. But, again, it's where's the line? Like, it has to be, like, this is a penalty and this is not. Not, like, ah, oh, well, you guys had three and they had two, so, like, you're going to get the next one unless you cross-check somebody in the face. And, like, even then we're going to, like, find a way to double somebody up for, like, roughing. Like, you know what I mean? It's just you need to like it's a penalty or it's not. They're the ones taking the penalty. If they do it, then it's their problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yep. it's just like there's way too and I'm I'm happy that we're finally like having these conversations, but like again, like the, the NHL kind of made it sound like of course they're gonna do this, but like like what Tim Peel did was like outrageous and we have to get rid of you know what I mean? That happens in every you know, every game, every mm-hmm. single game. So like who are we who are we kidding here? I think it happens in other sports too. Yeah. Yeah. It happens so often. And I think my favorite part about like the Tim Peel thing was when the NHL announced that he was getting fired. Everyone's like, wow, I can't believe he's the first ref to ever do this. Like, it's like, we all know, we've all seen it. We've all seen makeup calls. This one was just caught on a hot mic. And then this was, you know, it's stupid on his part to be mic'd up and be like, oh, hey, I'm going to give them a penalty because I feel like it. Yeah. But, you know, like, Especially okay, to but... the team. You're, like, telling right. that to the team. Like, what the fuck? Right. That was the part that got me. I was like, he's stupid enough for saying it, but, like, the fact that he told the player, I think it was, like, Duchenne he was talking yeah. about. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Like... It was so, just so, so stupid. And it's just like, um, like you said, we've seen it 
we see makeup calls all the time, not just in hockey. We see them in every single sport that we watch. There's plenty in the NBA. There's even, I mean, you could even go as far as saying it's an MLB when they don't call balls and strikes. Yeah, you see it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's another, like, how do you eliminate it, get rid of it, make it consistent? I don't know. Like, there's, it's always going to be part of the game. And there's it's just got to be a way to work around it or something. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a ref. I'm glad I'm not a ref or an umpire or any kind of official. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's not an easy game, hockey, to, to referee at all. I get that. But it's when it becomes egregious that you're throwing around makeup calls, it's, it's bad. Yeah. And and a big, a problem I have with makeup calls also is like, okay, so this team has like the 28th best PK. And then this team has one of the top five power plays in the game or in the, in the league. And then, so how is it exactly even if you're making a makeup call? Like if this, if this team has one of the best power plays and that team has one of the worst uh, penalty killing teams, like, I don't know that it's not, even if you make a makeup call, it's not exactly evening the odds at all. You know, it's like you give the Sabres a power play and then you give the Bruins a power play. Like how you need to get, I feel like you need to give the Sabres two power plays to match, (laughs) match a Bruins power plays. Right. Maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, (laughs) maybe just a win. You know, you just need to give the Sabres a win. Will the Sabres ever win a hockey game again? It's looking unlikely. I saw I saw a meme with uh like a bunch of uh Sabres players. Mainly it was Hall, Stahl, um freaking the Whoa. big one, uh Eichel, and then it was I don't know, somebody else, but it was like four of them, and then for Stahl they said rescued. And like who's next? <laughs> um like it's a big rescue mission to get those those stars out of there. Um yeah, I think it's kind of unbelievable. And the Bruins had a close fucking call against them. That was that was hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> that was I like was... almost like playoff mentality for me. I was like, oh my yeah. God, if you lose this game, the season's over. <laughs> I was thinking too. I was like, it's gonna be the Bruins who drop this game. And it's gonna be them to to that's like that's who the Sabres are gonna snap their streak against. It's gonna yep. be the Bruins. It's like it's drawn out perfectly. The Bruins have struggled against lesser teams this season. They cannot beat the Devils for the life of them. And it's they've constantly obviously the whole like scoring of five on five secondary scoring scoring in general it's just an issue. I was like, oh no, like this is this isn't gonna be good. But thankfully they they pulled out that win somehow some way, and it's just. Craig's I mean, move. I, th- <laughs> I think <laughs> I think the Sabers. I think the win again. When I don't know, but I don't think. I mean, obviously the season is lost for them, but it's. At this point, like, just keep making NHL history. Just keep losing because yeah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> like it'll get you in the news for something, which is more than you can say most days. So, right, exactly. <laughs> oh, I know that's just such a. I mean, I have some friends who are like Sabres fans, and it's just Oof. like, I'm you know sorry. I mean? like, you flash back five years ago, and I mean things were better then because at least then you were like, hey, Jack Eichel, like you know what I mean? Maybe we got a shot right. at turning things around, and it's just like they've just consistently dug themselves further into a hole every year. It's yeah, kind it's of bad. impressive to be honest with you. I think a big part of it too is they're not committing to a rebuild. Yeah, like they're yeah, like, like, okay, they're we'll at, get all these like, young yeah, players, and take? then now let's like add a star, and it's like it's a little too early to do that. You need these like young guys to fully develop before you 
toss somebody in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Taylor just, like shit there too. Like, it's like, you're, he's just wasting himself now. Like, yeah. I, I like, awful. I still don't understand what the thought process was there. I don't know. I was either. so shocked when I saw that. And I was like, yeah. I don't know, maybe he knows something we don't. And clearly right. he didn't. <laughs> it's, it's sad. Like, obviously, you know, he's been such a big name in the NHL for the last few years. You People wanted Taylor Hall in your team. And, you know, I still think he'll be fine. Like, I think it'll be just, oh, he was just on a bad team. It's like, you can't use that excuse forever. Yeah. And say, like, no, a good player will never reach their potential on a bad team. But I don't know. It's just like, why would he want to go to Buffalo knowing the situation there? And now it's just, he's, I'm sure he's not thrilled with his decision, but it's like, man, that just, it sucks for him because he's just being wasted. Yeah. Yeah, I actually saw, uh, in front of me at the game, a few rows down, was a uh, Devils fan with a Hall jersey. Which was oh, no. <laughs> Tough. R.I.P. Uh, Lauren, before we let you go, I kind of want to take it your shot. We've been talking to a couple people about this over the last couple of weeks, but um, just like kind of bigger picture here, like with the Bruins and obviously you have the, the this aging core kind of on their way out, like – What's your take on, like, do you think this is their final really shot with this core? I know, like, David Krejci's uh, free agent after this season. Um, do you think this is the year that they're finally going to, like, pull the trigger and try to make a move and maybe sacrifice a couple of years in the future to try to make a run? Or do you think at this point they're better off being like, hey, maybe that window closed a year or two ago and cut your losses? Like, as somebody who's obviously follows the team very closely, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Slash, what would you personally do? I mean, I don't think the window's closed, but I think it's it's not fully it open. Was. Like it's yeah. it's not even halfway open. Like it's getting very close to getting closed. But I do think this core is still good enough to win one more. But it has to be this year or next year because after if they don't do anything, say they don't do anything this year, it has to be next year. And I don't think they're far away from being a cup contender. I think they're a piece or two away. I think their defense is fine. Obviously, it's just banged up a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. Some of the young guys are really working out. Trent Frederick kind of fits perfectly into this oh, team. Yeah. And I think they just need they need somebody who's going to score. I, that's the, that's the yeah. bottom line. They need somebody who's going to generate those chances. I mean, you have players on your team. I mean – Bjork should have like 15 goals. See that he just, yeah. he just he had a great chance awful, again last night when he caught in there. Life. I was like, ah, come on. Yeah. I thought of you. I was like, Bjork, you come <laughs> yes. on. We're on tomorrow. This has been perfect. Oh. I was, I mean, it's, he's making it, he's, he's making his way to the net. And that's, it. Just, I mean, that, that's just bad luck. Like he just can't put the puck in the net. But you also have people on this team. Like I know Greg McKegg hasn't played a whole lot, but I also know like he wasn't brought in to score 20 goals. But they yeah. need somebody who will. They need some some secondary scoring. They need some five-on-five five help. Maybe that's one and the same. Maybe it's not. But they're going to need to part with, you know, probably a bottom winger, bottom center. Um, not Obviously not Charlie Coyle. I think he's fine. I think he's safe. But, you know, you, you could move a Corrali. You could, you unfortunately, I don't like saying this, you could move a Bjork. But, you know, to bring in a player who could certainly give you what you're missing and I think they need to be okay with that because you have this core. You have Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, you have Tuca, David Krejci, who are aging. You know they're not in. They're not young anymore. They are not. They're they're all probably closer to the end of their careers and they than from the beginning. And you know if, if Patrice Bergeron ends his NHL career winning just one Stanley Cup, 
that's a damn shame. You yeah. know, because Especially if it was 10 plus years ago by the time he, you know what I mean? Right. Which, again, it's 10 years ago. So, yeah. You know what right. I mean? Like, like, it is time for, for this core to win another cup. And it's, I mean, they're not going to have many more opportunities. Like I said, if, if they want to do it this year, they have to, they have to make that move at the deadline. If they want to wait until next year and just hope, like, you know, knock on wood and hopefully it works, they have to make a big move in the off season. And maybe, you know, with potentially with Rask and Krejci coming off the books and kind of opening up a little, little bit more space there, it makes you wonder, like, what is the long-term plan? And, I mean, we'll never know. You never get information yeah. unless it's coming right from the Bruins. And right. good for them. I mean, you want to stay as low-key as possible. But, like I said, this window is very, very close to being closed and sealed shut for this core. And it's it would just be a shame for some of these people to go out with one cup. And, I mean, we all know if Tuca's NHL career ends and he does not win a cup, another cup with the Bruins – Twitter is just going to burn to the ground and be like, see, oh, good see, Lord. see, I don't, don't want right to see we that day. We were so right about him. And it's like, <sighs> and it's so, I think, um, I think they have a better chance this year than next, just because yeah. next year is so unknown. Um, and I think they need to do it this year because fans are getting antsy. I'm sure the core is getting antsy because they've been so close in 2013, 2019. And even last year, I think they had a legitimate shot, obviously, until they didn't. They got not swept, but they got the they got mopped by Tampa Bay because they couldn't score five on five. Um, and I just think that they need to. It's the same old song and dance every damn year that you can't. You have yeah. the secondary scoring problem, and it's just oh, we'll bring in this person, we'll bring in this person, and it's nothing on you know Andre Kasha that he just can't stay healthy. That's not yeah. on him. But I don't know if he's the answer when he does come back. If he does come back, is he healthy? Is he hundred percent? Is he going to be what you think he is? I think you need somebody who's proven and kind of a bigger name to get in this <laughs> and, uh, and uh, help this team win the Nord Cup. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer that like it, like the Kasha thing. Obviously, we've we've been following for so long now. It feels like, and, and yeah. like you said, Lauren, you don't want to fault him for injuries, but it is kind of one of those things where it's like. Oh man, like we got him last trade deadline to see if he could help fill that role. And now we're coming up on this trade deadline and we still don't really know if he can fill that role. And it's nothing right. against him. He just hasn't been healthy. And it's like, you know, maybe an, a healthy Andre Kasha can like boost that middle six. And, you know, I don't think he's the, the piece holding them back from a Stanley right. Cup or anything, but that might be able to generate some more secondary score. You know what I mean? He might be a missing link there that helps to elevate it a little bit which can be a difference maker when you come down to those, you know, those in-game moments. Um, but it is kind of, it sucks that like we are pretty much a, a season later at this point and we still just haven't really seen enough from him to know whether or not he's going to be able to fill that hole. If he even is healthy, you know what I mean? Like who f- yeah. knows at this point? Right. And then, you know, yeah. last year he got screwed with COVID, you know, he gets traded, yeah. he gets a couple games, can't build chemistry. And then you have to go home for who knows how long you come mm-hmm. back and the same thing. You just can't build that chemistry seasons over. You go home just a vicious cycle and then he gets hurt second game in the season. So I think yeah. he certainly could help this team, but is he that missing puzzle piece? I don't think so. Yeah, I kind of agree. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree the window's not totally closed, but I don't know. There's a big part of me. That's just like, ah, you know, I, you can't help but wondering like two years ago, three years ago, even like maybe even last year, whether there was, you know, what if we, did just make that one extra move. And I don't know, you yeah. know, I wouldn't be sitting in as good a shape right now, but 
you know, at some point I, I feel like we're like, I, I'm ready to throw it all at the wall and, and say, fuck it, here we go. Let's do it. One more, one more run. Right. But there is that question of like, uh, are we doing this because now is really the best time to do it? Or are we doing it because we see the windows closing now and we've realized we haven't done it yet. And oh shit, if we had Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci and, and this core really, I mean, down to Marshan and, and even Pasternak, like obviously is so young that he should be a part of this team's plans for a while, but oh, yeah. It's not going to be him with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand forever. So yeah. you're getting it, you know, maybe some of the most productive times of his career. Um, even if he does improve personally, he's not necessarily going to have as effective of a line. Right. Um, that, you know, so it's like, shit, maybe we did wait a little bit too long and now we're doing this because we have to at least give it a shot. But I, and I don't know. I mean, it's been a little bit of a tough stretch for the team right now. So maybe it's just like a little bit of pessimism sleeping through or seeping through there. Um, yeah. A healthy defense really would go a long way, even though that hasn't been the issue, but um, would just create a little bit more consistency there. So hopefully they can turn things around with the core that they have, but you do feel like you need at least another piece before you can really start thinking about this team as a contender. Yep. Definitely. Hope it's not too late. I know. That's like my yeah. biggest thing is, you know, it was 10 years ago that they won the cup last. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that some of that team, you know, still is intact, but some, I mean, Char is playing, everyone else is like retired and just kind of besides Lucic. Yeah. Or Milan Lucic. She's like, right. He's yeah. like the only one, one of the only ones left from that team. Yeah. That, and it's just like, Wow, this which of all really people shout out Lucic, right? right? It did not seem yeah. like give it five, six years ago. It did not seem like he was going to be the one that was still. Right. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not the one, but one of the few who is still standing in twenty twenty one. So yeah, I felt like, I felt like Mark Recchi was going to be one. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's impressive for him, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared of what the future of Bruins hockey looks like, but. Trying to soak it up, but we still can. Yeah. I think that's about all I have. Any of y'all got anything to add? All right. Lauren, do you wanna do you wanna plug your stuff? Social media, where we can find your writing? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at La 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 Lauren, three laws, and then Lauren with four R's. Uh it's pretty much all my social media handles. So go ahead and find me on there. Uh, you can find all of my content on Nesson.com, doing obviously a lot of brewing stuff, getting geared up for the Red Sox season, and obviously, like I said earlier, previewing the NWHL and what's to come for next season. Um, also can be heard on the Nesson Bruins podcast once a week, and you can also hear me on a slew of other podcasts, um, Snipe and Sally, Stealing Second, uh, I think that's it. So find my stuff. I mean, I'm everywhere, so you can easily find me. It's hard to miss if you're on Bruins. Say, harder to miss than yeah. fine. <laughs> hey, if you're if you're on Bruins Twitter and you're not following Lauren, then I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> um, yeah, well, th- thank you everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Brews and Bruins, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network podcast presented by Bruins Die Hard, sponsored by DraftKings. Everything just completely <laughs> for me, huh? Oh, Cam's frozen now. Oh, no. I can kind of see him moving, but I think I know it's, it's like slow. slow like... Oh, hey, we literally just <laughs> wrapped up. Like I literally just said, thank you. <laughs> well, it's still recording. So at least I can yeah. say goodbye too. 
Yeah. Chris, do you have any thoughts on uh, anything? How was the electrician? Oh, there goes Cam. Chris, replacing Cam. Oh, well, uh, not the first time. Um, Yeah, well, he left to go get something. And whoa, so he's supposed whoa, to come back. I lagged out for a second. I come back and, and Chris is here again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on. Cause like he, he looked at it for a while. was like, yeah, I gotta go get something. I thought he meant like out of his truck. Like, no, nah, I think he ran to like home Depot <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> and I got to leave in like 10 minutes to take my dog to the vet. So I don't know whether to like go or what. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a tough one. Well, phone in your, your answers live folks. <laughs> Help Chris decide what to do. Um, <laughs> We'll put a poll. I'm later. just gonna leave you with a big old like good luck what with you that. Did. <laughs> Much appreciated. Uh, Space Cowboy will figure it out. Stay tuned to see the future of Chris's electricity and dogs. <laughs> All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, sing something. All by myself. Ha, ha, ha.